0: Even after the surprise of Easter Sunday morning, we still find the disciples behind closed doors, locked doors. Apparently their fear of the Jewish leaders is greater than the news of an empty tomb, of Mary's firsthand account of her encounter with Jesus in the garden. But once again, we witness this God in Christ who initiates, who comes to where we are as Jesus shows up on the other side of their locked door And declares not once, but twice, a word the disciples desperately need to hear Peace. Peace be with you. Seemingly, those who knew Jesus best, who followed him for three years, don't recognize him at first. But then, John tells us Jesus showed them his hands and his side, the places where he had been pierced and wounded. And just like that, Blindness becomes recognition, and the fear of the disciples turns to joy. Thomas is the lone disciple who is absent that day, and when he finally shows up and the rest of the disciples tell him, guess who came to dinner, Thomas doesn't buy it. Thomas often gets a bad rap because of this. I always feel bad for Thomas, because isn't this where the other disciples were earlier that day? I mean, they didn't believe Mary's story until Jesus showed up in person. Who can blame Thomas? Can you? Can I? I mean, who can blame Thomas for thinking his friends were having delusions of grandeur? I mean, of course, of course, they all wanted to believe Jesus was alive. And sometimes, when you want to believe something bad enough, you'll convince yourself you're seeing things. You're seeing things that aren't really there. So Thomas insists he'll need to see, he'll need to touch the nail marks in Jesus's hand and the wound in his side in order to know for sure Jesus has been resurrected. Interestingly, I find this so cool, Jesus waits a week before coming back to answer Thomas's objection. And did you also catch the fact that the doors of the house where they were staying were still locked a week later. I mean, just how convinced were the rest of the disciples of Jesus about his victorious resurrection? Well, anyway, we know the rest of the story. After a slight rebuke, Thomas catches up with the other disciples and recognizes Jesus as his Lord and his God. And then Jesus responds by calling, blessed, those who believe without seeing. Namely, us. What I want to talk about today might surprise you, though. Today, I want to draw our attention not to Thomas, but to a little detail in this passage that is usually overshadowed by our tendency to focus on Thomas and his doubts. And here it is. Have we ever stopped to reflect on the fact that the resurrected Jesus has scars? For me, this is one of the most intriguing details about Jesus' post-resurrection appearances. I mean, most of us, right, most of us would have expected a victorious over death, glorified and resurrected body. A body like that wouldn't have any scars. At first glance, the presence of scars seems like a surprising feature, doesn't it? A surprising feature in the upgrade from a perishable body designed for this world, to an imperishable, perfected body designed for new and everlasting life. And yet, both Luke and John, their Gospels point so plainly to Jesus' resurrection scars, and that must mean they're purposeful. And so the question I've been chewing on all week is, what is the purpose of Jesus' visibly bearing those scars? Two thoughts have come to my mind. First, Jesus' scars reinforce that Jesus knows our suffering and our pain. This is something we, of course, witness through Jesus going to the cross for us, but the fact that Jesus visibly bears the scars of all that he endured for us on the cross for eternity is an everlasting reminder that the God we worship in Christ stands not above or apart from our pain, but remains with and for us in the midst of our suffering. Whenever we begin to doubt that the Lord understands or cares about whatever hurt we are facing, we have but to remember Jesus's scars. God in Christ knows what we are going through. And we all have scars. We all bear scars of some kind, and not just physical scars either. We all carry emotional or spiritual scars as well. We all bear sometimes physically, externally, and sometimes internally, beyond our skin, deep inside our spirits, the marks of our disappointment and our failure, the marks of our abuse and our rejection, the marks of our woundedness and our loss. There are all sorts of embodied scars, ones that I bear that have been self-inflicted, ones which I carry from those who have injured me, and ones that remain because of the hurt I have caused to others. But either way, we all have scars. Scars that can affect, that do affect, our ability to love and to be loved. The thing is, most of us have been taught to cover over our scars, haven't we? I mean, we learn early on to feel shame about any physical blemishes. Even our emotional and spiritual scars, even those can be self-perceived as aspects of ourselves that we need to hide from. We need to hide from others, lest we be viewed as weak. No, we're pressured to fix ourselves. We're pressured to pretend the lingering marks of our wounds don't exist. Our faces and our bodies must remain unwrinkled and flawless. Our mindset and our dispositions have to be sharp, focused, and positive. Anything less is viewed as a defect. Exposing our scars is often viewed as a loud, ugly announcement of our inability to heroically flow through life unscathed. I mean, think about it. We worship beautiful people, don't we? We worship beautiful people, people who seem to have it all together. We don't worship the scarred ones. Even within the church, there can be a tendency to avoid or downplay our scars. In claiming our salvation in Christ, we can be pressured. We can pressure each other to forgive and forget the sins of our past, both the things we have done and the things that have been done unto us. Too many Christians... Too many Christians think faith in Jesus requires denying or ignoring the ways our bodies physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually retain signs of our continued pain in our memories, in our relational or psychological struggles, in our grief, in our despair over others' apathy, in our physical ailments from sickness or abuse or violence. But my friends, the hope of resurrection does not come at so cheap a price. No, the hope of our salvation comes with a cleared-eye view of sin's real and ongoing effects. As those in whom our salvation is being worked out with fear and trembling, we cannot deny or avoid aspects of our brokenness and the brokenness of others, we cannot avoid the ways we continue to inflict harm upon ourselves and others, the ways others continue to inflict pain upon us. To ignore these scars is to ignore the reality that we are works in progress, forgiven, yes, but continuing to be healed and ultimately transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit within us. Too many people wrongly have been told and believe that our scars disqualify us, make us less worthy, less holy, less attractive, less desirable to God, and yet God in Christ comes and extends reconciling peace to us with still scarred hands. Jesus graciously offers us forgiveness even as he bears the scars that we gave to him. Jesus does not turn away from our brokenness, but embraces us with our flaws and imperfections, our bruises and our blemishes. Christ offers us his scars to feel, to touch. He exposes his still broken body to us so that we may freely, freely enter into the reality of resurrection hope, as we truly are. The joy and hope of the resurrection are not merely the witness of a risen body, but the scarred body of Christ that bears the marks of the suffering of this world, of our lives, mine and yours, our fragile embodied sorrow and sin, taken into the wounded yet triumphant body of Christ, our own abrasions, whatever their source, whatever their form, also become ways that we are known honestly, nakedly, and without shame. So my friends, as Christians, we need not fear our imperfections and our injuries because our faith rests upon a God who joins us in such such vulnerabilities. In fact, by such wounds, we are healed, healed of our need to hide, healed and freed from our shame healed and opened to the deep peace reconciliation brings. And this brings me to my second observation. Jesus's scars offer comfort to us because they remind us God understands what we are going through. But the scars of Jesus also whisper of hope, the hope of good coming out of our pain. Before I talk more about this, let's reflect briefly on what scars actually are. A scar is the memory of an injury or a wound. It is not the injury or wound itself. In other words, our scars are both the evidence that healing was needed and the evidence that healing occurred. Truth be told, there are some kinds of scarring that can become disfiguring and even disabling. But in most cases, our scars do not adversely affect our lives by causing us pain or inhibiting the ability of our bodies to function normally. Rather, our scars serve as witness to our healing and recovery. Therefore, as we see and trace the line of Jesus's scars, we find hope for our own healing. As we touch the marks of Jesus's wounds now closed, we gain the courage that our scars could one day mean more too following a scarred but still triumphant savior, we can believe in something more than a cheap disembodied resurrection. That is not our faith. No, we can believe in more than an escape from all that has been and will be inscribed in our own mind, body, and soul. That is not our faith. No, this is our faith. For God so loved this wounded world. John tells us that through Christ, God takes up the hard reality of our wounds unto himself and guts them all of their power over us. Christ does not deny our experience of shame, betrayal, loneliness, and pain but he bears the reality of those wounds, turning them through his resurrection into scars. Scars that need not pull us back into self-doubt or isolating sorrow or debilitating grief, but scars that assure us evil and death will not have the final word over us. There will be redemption to all of our suffering. There will be reconciliation of every wrong. There can, and there will be healing. Jesus's scars forever tell us that our final victory is in him. And it's compelling to me that the last book of the Bible, again, written by John, his God-given insight of not how the world ends, that's not right, but how the world begins anew, how John's vision unfolds, do you remember it? With the vision of the lamb who was slain. Our scarred Savior, standing at the center of heaven, sits with his Father on the very throne of the universe. And from this first introduction of Jesus as the Lamb, standing as though it had been slain, Christ is referred to in this way 27 more times as our scarred but triumphant Christ. Beloved, we worship the Lamb who was slain, but who refused to stay down. We worship the scarred savior who rose again so that all our wounds would be healed. Right now, when we step outside, as the threats of pain and suffering, as experiences of loss and grief surround us, we wear masks and gloves for our protection and safety. But still, when we come home, huddled behind locked doors, we are still hurting. And suffering. Some have literally been infected by COVID-19, while others of us are affected by the broader repercussions of this virus. And right now, as we've talked about many, many times, it's hard to believe in resurrection when you feel like you're dying. It's difficult to envision tomorrow when today seems to be falling apart. And so as we struggle, to see where Jesus is in all this, as we doubt whether Christ is actually present, risen in the midst of all we've lost, as we desperately long for peace in the thick of this chaos, let us, like the disciples, like Thomas, recognize the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the Lamb who was slain but who conquered the grave, let us recognize Jesus by seeing his scars. Let us encounter and touch the wounded Christ who has taken upon himself all manner of violence, doubts, fears, sin, and injury, and breathes upon us in exchange God's everlasting peace. As Jesus boldly reveals to us his scars, let us dare to be vulnerable to be real in bearing our wounds before him. Because the scars of Jesus are the foretaste and promise of our resurrection, beloved. The scars of Jesus teach us that out of the worst broken tragedies can come beautiful, everlasting redemption. The scars of Jesus give witness to the unconquerable power of his self-offering love, the love through which these wounds we bear Will eventually be healed. My friends, we will recover from all of this. We will rise from all the pain and the suffering and the loss we are experiencing, but we will not rise without a thousand park pockmarks and blemishes. We will bear the scars from this season of our lives. But thanks to Jesus, these scars will be more than the memory of an injury, of a loss, Rather, these scars will stand as markers of God's amazing grace, of the God who in Christ redeems our suffering by raising us again and again and again from the dead.